Hey, welcome to episode 17 of Teach Me Tiger. Part two. If you haven't heard part one of Casey Easton's episode, please give it a listen. You'll get to know Casey a little bit better before we get into all of the pervy details as we do in this episode. And I think you've covered a lot of this, but this brings partners into the question a little bit more. So since having kids, my relationship with my husband feels so utilitarian. Everything is about the kids and keeping the household running. We're both just so tired. Even sex feels like an obligation. How do we get back to a place where we can have fun and focus on each other like when we're dating and get out of this kid rut? I love that question. I think that um, unfortunately, the majority of marriages, especially with young kids, are in this exact same situation. Mm-hmm. And the more uh, the more you have sex, the more sexual energy you have, and the more that kind of permeates into the rest of your life. Right. And I think that, um, again, I've said this before on this podcast, is that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And whether you start cultivating the sexual energy outside the bedroom and bring it into the bedroom or cultivate the sexual energy in the bedroom and then bring it out of the bedroom, you're going to have more energy. Right. So when we're tired, when we're lethargic, like it's, it's a lack of energy flowing through our, our bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's kind of like going to the gym sometimes. You're like, oh, I just don't really want to do it. And then once you get there and once you get going, yeah. then it just like your energy levels just kind of skyrocket because there's more flow through your right. body. Right. So A, start doing it more, whether you want to or not. Yeah. And I, again, that's like within that consent wheel, negotiate whatever it is that you want. I think that's a big, big thing. Um, Flirt with your partner, flirt with your partner. Like that's a big thing in seasoned relationships is that we, we forget to compliment. We forget to, you know, entice, we forget to do all of these things. And we don't make that a priority because there's better things to do. Well, holy, you want to have more energy for all the other things, make sex a priority Mm -hmm. because that's where like our energy center, that sacral plexus, that chakra is going to kind of flow everywhere else. And so what else that's not actual, like, you know, if it's a hetero relationship, you know, penis in vagina or penis in anus or penis, like what, what's another, uh, place you can put the penis where's another (laughs) just where just put your penis just on my cheek for a bit just rest it on my shoulder oh hey like a parrot oh oh, hello oh my god (laughs) this is just my parrot i would never get any work done if there was a penis on my shoulder all the time hey buddy um okay no talking about making sex a priority Mm -hmm. now i have known a lot of women uh and i'm going to speak actually about birth who've had like pretty physically traumatic births that yeah. make their vagina all fucked up for quite a while, mm-hmm. like pain and whatever. Right. So just say they want to make sex a priority, but are not in a place where they can physically do the sex thing. So what's another thing that can be done 
instead of like specifically sex. I don't look at sex as penis and vagina sex. Okay. When I say sex, I don't. I you mean like the whole rigmarole of anything and everything. Okay. Um, you can like fire a butt plug in your partner's ass, and he can masturbate while you're um rubbing yourself on him. You know okay. what I mean? Like there's you don't you don't even have to receive any touch if you don't want to. Okay. Um. So make makes sexuality a priority. Mutual masturbation, even. My God, yeah, absolutely. Um, you can do a little striptease while your partner fucks himself. Whatever you're comfortable with, and negotiate those kind of things. Um, one of my favorite ways to to really entice my partner or to get an idea of the things that are turning us on are um, communicating, being like, yeah, what do you, what's really, if you could do anything right now, what would you do? And then it could be like this really big, huge thing that you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. But then you kind of negotiate (laughs) into what you are willing to do that has something to do with that. Right. And that's a great way to explore your sexuality with your partner within you know, a safe space mm-hmm. or within an even doable, like if you have a bunch of kids running around, you're not going to be able to get all, get your kink out and, and, but maybe you can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just and talk about it. And that's sexy. super sexy. Yeah. yeah. It can be very erotic. It can be very erotic. Very erotic. Yeah. And nobody can. Yeah. <laughs> that's like one of my favorite things is to talk fantasy slash here. Cause I have to get better at talking. But like, Hey, Tell me something that I'm probably never, ever going to do, but act like it's something I'm going to do. Cool. Yeah. Like fantasy, a lot of fantasies will never become reality and because people mm-hmm. don't actually want their fantasies to become reality. Mm-hmm. That's why they're fantasies. Like they don't want to actually time. have it in real life, oh, but yeah. man, it's really fun to think about. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. Um, flirt with your partner. Um, all of us, most of us want to be desired mm-hmm. and tell your partner how much you desire them, how much they turn you on um, and be specific. Compliments are kind of useless unless they're like specific instead of being like, oh my God, you're so sexy. Oh my God, look at your ass in those pants. It's so barky. Mm-hmm. Or like, I love the way that your tits jiggle when we fuck. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. be really specific with your compliments. And then uh, when we receive compliments like that, we actually feel it in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's that embodiment. Um, I know this sounds super lame. I know this sounds super silly, but schedule it. Which? Sex or compliments? Sex. Schedule sex. Mm-hmm. And like play with it flirt about it all day long it's the anticipation Mm -hmm. that like really works us up particularly women because we can't just turn get turned on in the blink of an eye Mm -hmm. and so that when our partners do connect with us earlier in the day and you know do the little things that make us feel special that make us feel hot that make us feel beautiful or desired or however you want to feel tell your partner how you want to feel and then they can then you know do all the things to help Mm -hmm. you feel the way that you want to feel you know, but they won't know unless you tell them and they have no opportunity. Like they can't cultivate that opportunity. If if they think that you want to feel like a vixen versus like a really sweet, sensual creature, mm. it's a totally different things. Mm-hmm. And they're going to talk to you in a different way. Whereas maybe you want to just be fucked like a whore, you know, mm-hmm. like, and then they can make you feel like that too. Yeah. And however you want to feel is how you want to feel. And there should, should not be any shame around that. But there is, that's a whole other conversation. So schedule a date night, schedule time to have sex and then like play with it and flirt with it all day long. Play those creative games in the bedroom. Like there's lots of, um, there's lots of different ways you can do it. Like I like that um, music game and how mm-hmm. one person's in control, the other person's in control, or you can use the music to have a little crescendo. Have a, have a night where you just touch each other with no intention of orgasm. 
no intention of sexuality, like set a timer for 20 minutes and just give your partner a massage. That's cool. A, a timer because then there's a start and a finish and you yeah. know, who knows what the actual end point will be, but then that point you're not like, okay, for we 20, need this time for 20 minutes. Your partner's not allowed to try to stick it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, fellas. For Stop trying sake. to sneak that shit in there. So the way that women's bodies operate as a general rule, and this is like different for every woman for sure, but start on the outside and work your way in. Mm -hmm. So many times it's like hands go straight to the ass, cheeks, and then migrate right to someone's genitals. And Mm -hmm. it's like we are, our whole body is this super sensual, wonderful, nervous tissue filled thing. And... Women need to feel safe for one, Mm -hmm. not being used for two, that we are not just a piece of meat or a hole for them to stick their dicks in. Mm -hmm. So for, for men, I think it's a little bit of let's explore from the outside in. And for women, it's reframing our thought process of not just feeling like a piece of meat and giving our partners the benefit of the doubt, because more often than not, they just want to pleasure us. Right. You know? And I would say that, honestly, a lot of the times is that men really want to give pleasure to their women in heterosexual relationships, and we are not always willing to receive it, accept it. And planning it makes a big difference in that, too, because maybe you're not willing to receive it because it's poor planning and everything can't be just on, you know, a boner's time zone. Like, oh, your dick's hard. So now, well, that doesn't actually fit into my day right Mm -hmm. now. But if you plan it, then you suddenly have a semblance of control and maybe relaxation about it. Hmm. And spend some time. So the kind of question was that, like, life's just too busy. Well, you only have one life. Mm-hmm. And you can. The, the beauty of being an adult is that you choose how to spend your time. Right. That's, that's all there is to it. And sometimes those choices are really hard, but they're still your choices. Right. Mm-hmm. And prioritize it. Um, also, if you have, um, you know, four hours a week to watch TV, you have four hours a week to make out on the couch. I just want to watch TV though. But my show. (laughs) (laughs) We have two breastfeeding mothers here who are like, well, all my hormones are telling me I'm going to breastfeed my baby and then I'm going to watch Netflix. And that's absolutely cool. And don't bitch to me about your sex lives being shitty. (laughs) But like, seriously, that's the reality of it. It's like people like, I don't want to use the gym thing as a thing. But when people are like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm this way and I want to look a different way and I don't have time for the gym. I'm like, didn't you just binge watch that TV show? Right. Those are hours that you could have spent doing anything else. And we only have time and energy. We have time, energy, and our bodies. Those are the only three things we really have. Right. And we get to choose what we do with those three things. Mm -hmm. And that's, those are, those are the only choices we really have in life. And, um, again, it comes back to how do you want to feel like is feeling sexual and energized an important thing to you? Okay. Well then make different choices. Mm -hmm. If it's not also totally cool and fair game. Mm -hmm. Is it putting stress on your relationship with your partner? Yeah. Is your relationship with your partner important to you? Yeah. Okay. Then how do you want to feel? How do you want your relationship to make you feel? And then what choices do you have to make in order for that to happen? 
Mm-hmm. Do you need to masturbate more? Do you need to um, spend more time in your own body in order to get to the point where mm-hmm. you can allow your partner to do mm-hmm. the things to you? It's not as simple as, oh, you have to let your partner fuck their, your brains out. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what steps do we need to take to get to where we want to be and how we want to feel? Yeah, so so maybe when we have childcare in the morning twice a week, I won't sit and watch TV and fold laundry. So not before you come said. to my house. Huh? I said not before you come out. Oh. <laughs> Damn straight. Your husband, when I was pregnant, your husband was the fucking absolute worst for that. Every single time I was like, you know, because when I was, I had a great horny pregnancy. Yeah. Every oh. single time I was like, now nah, I'm alone. Now nah, I'm going to jerk off. Knock, knock, knock. Hello. I was like, oh, Chris, again. Fuck, that guy is bad timing. <laughs> not anymore, though. He's better. I've given him I wonder shit what a that's few about. Times. Dropping veggies off, oh. stuff like that. Chris, Coming over to use the lawnmower. Chris, always send happens. a text, Chris. Yeah, send a text, Chris. Send Maybe text, I'm going to be Chris. rubbing one out, Chris. So unless you're going to lend a hand, get out. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't offer. I'll cut off your hands. But you can borrow my lawnmower. Just so. text first. Text first, Chris. Text first. <laughs> Can we talk about non-monogamy or polyamory? First of all, polyamory, non-monogamy, does that mean the same thing? There are different types of non-monogamy, I would imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Teach us. Teach Tyler. us about the non-monogamy. I read I read a, a quote yesterday that said that you can't be an expert in anything unless you have experienced it. And boy, have I experienced it. I've experienced a little bit of everything in the non-monogamy spectrum. So So there's monogamy, which is pretty cut and dry. You know, two people are together in a relationship and neither one of them are sleeping with anybody else. And there's an, uh, and then in the whole non-monogamy realm, there's so much more to it. There's cheating, which is a whole other topic for another day. Then there's swinging. And that's when uh, there's, there's also subdivisions of swinging, but it's pretty much when a couple sleeps with other couples. And then there's open relationships, and that's where each individual is permitted to, or maybe just one person is permitted to sleep with other people or date other people. Um, there's usually, it's usually more of just a physical thing an open relationship is. Um, and whereas polyamory is more, um, you develop more stronger, intimate, um, connected relationships with multiple people. And then there's also polyfidelity, which is where you're in a relationship with multiple people, but you're monogamous in those relationships. So for instance, um, if I was with Melody and we were married and I was also, um, Sarah was my girlfriend, Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, I'm sleeping with Melody and I'm also sleeping with Sarah, but we're not sleeping with other people. We're just, that could be a polyfidelity. So there's commitment and there's quote unquote faithfulness. God, did I actually just say that word? Um, with those, those people, but there's nothing outside of that. So that's polyfidelity. So those are kind of the overarching themes. I'm sure that there's lots of different ways to do it as well, too. Um, I have done a little bit of all of those things. I've cheated in my life. I've been in uh, like really close relationships with multiple people where we're not seeing other people. Um, I've been in polyamorous relationships with like two or three people at a time. At one point there was like six of us that were in a little pod together. It was wonderful. And then I've also been in open relationships where, you know, we're committed to one another and don't want to have, um, 
relationships, like romantic relationships, but we want to have sexual relationships. Mm -hmm. And then we've also done a little bit of like couple swapping stuff. Um, Yeah. And I think that for me personally, like it depends on who I'm with. It depends on what they're into. It depends on what I'm really craving in my life sexually and romantically and intimately. So that's kind of the definitions of that. So for people who are monogamously coupled up, how do they, how would you recommend going forward? Like, obviously they've got to talk to each other. I'm guessing that would be a good first step. Or else step. you're just starting Or else cheating. it's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> Truth. Truth. <laughs> it really depends on the couple. It's really interesting when two people really want it and they never ever talk about it. That's a pretty, I've seen that before. But I've also seen where one person wants nothing to do with it and mm-hmm. the other person brings it up. And then it's like a negotiation. And if that's the case, and it depends on what you want. If my partner came to me and said, I want an open relationship. And I'm like, hey. And this is like an open relationship where we, we like fuck other people, mm-hmm. not with each other. The best thing to do in that situation is let them go first. So if I, so if my partner was like, I want to fuck other people, I'd be like, hmm, but him allowing or her allowing me to go fuck somebody else first is definitely a really good start. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Because if it goes the other way around, it'll get pretty gnarly pretty quick, but then it gives the other person um, that's reluctant a a taste of what it's like. Almost gives them a sense of power. Right. You know, or, or control, because I think that's a lot of it too, is people fear the loss of control over their relationship. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that whenever you open up your relationship and you haven't ever experienced that before, don't expect it to be a walk in the park. Yeah, no. Don't expect it to be easy and expect to feel things like jealousy and insecurity and anger and sadness and hurt. Like if Sounds you go super fun. Oh, super fun. <laughs> super really, fun. I already really want to do that. I right. And however, you kind of have to look at the greater good. Mm-hmm. Right? Are you willing to go through all of that to get to however you want to feel, however you think Mm -hmm. a non-monogamous relationship is going to make you feel. Um, I feel alive when I'm with new partners. I love falling in love. Um, And that doesn't mean that I'm falling out of love with somebody else. And that's really hard for a lot of people to understand. Um, And I look at polyamory and that kind of thing. Like I look at parenting is that you, you know when you had uh, your first baby you can't imagine loving you the can't other one imagine as much, loving you your second mm-hmm. as much as you love that. your first um and you do yeah and they're different and sometimes like one of your kids will not be driving you as crazy as the other kid and yeah. you like that kid a little bit better that day yeah you know it's <laughs> the <Yeah. laughs> so reality of life <laughs> and your kids are just different your relationships with your kids are just different Um, And when you look at it from that perspective and that one relationship doesn't negate the other, it uh, it really changes your outlook. But it's not easy. We've been socially wired to be monogamous. We've been fed the fairy tale of life since we were little girls and little boys, Mm -hmm. little creatures. And so when we grow up with this um, nurtured reality that is monogamous 
lifestyles of, you know, going to school and getting a job and getting married and having kids, it's not always what it's all cracked up to be. And a lot of people are like, wait just a minute here. This isn't what I expected it to mm -hmm. be, but this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I know, I know a lot of uh, swingers that are in their forties and fifties that, you know, they did all that. And then once their kids were a little bit older or once they're like, fuck this noise, I want to go fuck other people. And they have some of the best relationships I've ever seen. Their sex lives so great. It's not like that there's something missing in their own personal sex life that they have to go get somewhere else. That's mm -hmm. the other really predominant myth is that, and I see this in, in one of my partners right now, um, or I've seen him kind of go through this train of thought. The initial thought is that I feel inadequate. Why do you have to go to somewhere else? Is there something wrong with me or the things that we're doing? And it's, it's not at all. It's not at all mm. about that. It's just about the different relationships you have with people. Um, and sometimes it is that your partner doesn't want to do the things that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Like if you're super into like something really kinky and your partner wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. Then you need to maybe go somewhere and find that out. And that could be like a relief for your partner to be like, well, they're now getting the pressure's that off thing. me. I don't know yeah. How to do it. yeah, I don't really feel like getting fucked in the ass six times a week. So could you go somewhere else and do it three times? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. So how do you do it? The question is, how do you, how do you start? So if you want to just have an open relationship, starting with your partner doing it, also writing down rules, like actually getting a pen and paper out or your computer right. and writing down what you, what you want, what your partner wants, what you're willing to permit what you're not willing to permit um, and what things can be negotiated and having those written down right from the get-go to establish trust. And then once that trust has been established, you can sometimes do away with a couple of the rules because um, there has been an established sense of security. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what most um, issues boil down to in in non-monogamous relationships is insecurity oh absolutely that's like that that I, I don't feel at this stage in my life would never be able to uh because of insecurity like and I'm fully aware it's like Greg I would as soon as Greg seemed to enjoy another woman's company I would I would fucking lose my mind but I feel like oh I could go fucking do whatever I want that's fine mm -hmm. that wouldn't upset me <laughs> <laughs> And that's, that's kind of a funny thing. And there's, there's couples where one person permits the other person to do whatever the fuck they want. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can be like a cuckold relationship. And sometimes it's just like, you know what? I, it actually kind of turns me on when you're with some other people and mm -hmm. like, I'd like to fuck other people, but you're not cool with that. So I'm just going to let you fuck other people. Or maybe we can like have three sons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's what I was thinking. of was uh, a dipping your toes in is yeah. threesomes. Like, yeah. You and your partner with someone who wants to be part of being with you and your partner together. And, and, and that way you don't have to feel that same insecurity because it's like a, something you're both doing. And, but you have to make sure that that person that you're bringing into your sexual relationship is like, I want to be with you two as, as partners. That's part of the, the sexual thing that's happening. 
I hear what you're saying and it depends because not everyone is heterosexual and not everyone is bisexual. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you and Greg were like, Hey Casey, come have a threesome with us. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Mm, I'm not really into pussy right now. Yeah. Um, it would be, it would, it would change the dynamic. So it depends on the dynamics. I see this a lot in that a woman wants to experience sexually with another woman Mm -hmm. and her partner, her male partner is like, yeah, that's cool. But the woman's like, you're not going to fucking touch her because I'll lose my mind. Threesomes is a really interesting topic uh, when people are thinking about opening up their relationships. And I have this conversation probably once or twice a week with different people. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. And people will contact me and be like, so I want to open up my relationship. Um, My partner really wants a threesome. How do I do that? And I kind of want to bang my head against a wall a little bit. Um, and I get it and it makes sense. And I was there too. And in that process, you have to hunt for a unicorn. You have to look Mm -hmm. for, um, a single man or a single woman in order to, um, to bring into your sexual relationship, um, to do that. It's really fucking hard. Mm -hmm. I was thinking it would be hard to find the right fit. Like someone that both people are interested in, who's interested in both of those people, Mm -hmm. you know, who's bisexual, yeah, who's uh, not egocentric. It would have to be someone who's, like, happy to... Because they're giving to the couple. Like, let's be honest. If you're the, the, the single person who's coming into an already solid couple to have a threesome, that's kind of a giving place to be. I feel like you'd be better off paying a sex worker to come in and give you that experience because they're if trained, that's all you, want, you know? Like, experience. Not trained, but they've yeah, well trained. They've trained. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is that is my recommendation for people that are wanting to dip their toes in. Sex workers are um, a really emotionally safe way to do it because mm-hmm. it's an exchange of money. You don't right. have to worry about emotions afterwards, and um, you can discuss things with them beforehand and like actually get at like okay, what's cool, what's not cool, um, and if it's just a bisexual experience they're they're getting compensated to have a bisexual experience mm-hmm. where their emotions are going to be taken out of it if she wants to fuck him too and you have somebody that's experienced in threesomes you have somebody that's experienced you can, like, in help sex. you through because threesomes can be i've i've had a few threesomes and some of them can be like fairly clumsy you're like I this imagine. is imagine yeah, I, a lot of limbs. One of my favorites was... Just wait till you go to an orgy. Mode. Yeah, oh I, I can't even imagine. Maybe I can't one day. imagine an orgy. <laughs> Too much smells. <laughs> anyway. So many smells. Um, I'm like salivating. Of all the smells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Um, I remember one threesome that was memorable in that it ended with kind of after a while after like an hour or so the the male involved kind of just like being left at the wayside because it's like you don't really know what's what to do here yeah and the woman she really knew what was going on we were kind of like okay and bye <laughs> like that was fun now we want to continue this and can you see ya. see you later this did was- he leave you too alone yeah, like I mean, he just was off to the side. Like he was enjoying it. He was like, okay, great. Like you didn't I'll actually like out. kick him out of the. We room. weren't like rude about it. So with a sex worker, they're experienced in how those relationships work, mm-hmm. and they can kind of guide the experience a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like having a threesome doula. 
Yeah. Oh my God. That's exactly. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really nice way to look at it. I want everyone that wants to open up the relationship to consider swinging, Mm -hmm. to consider finding other couples because there's so many couples out there that want to fuck one person. Like, why don't you guys all just get together and fuck each other? Right. Like get over your shit, find a way to build a bridge and get over it and then fuck other people. So uh, how do people find swingers? Are there, there, there must be communities basically. Yeah, totally. There's some swingers clubs around. There's lots in Toronto. There's one in Ottawa. I think the other one closed. Uh, There's online communities as well. I know Cafe Desire is really big in Toronto and Adult Friend Finder is full of swingers in Ottawa. And then it's kind of like one of those things that you kind of move into. Okay. um, And then you're in the community and then everyone kind of knows everybody. Like if I show up at um, one of the sex clubs, either even even in Toronto, in Toronto or in Ottawa, like I usually know a few people. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I've been in that community for like a really long time. Yeah. I, I personally don't always like swinging because I really value a lot of deep intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fun. So, yeah. And there's like when you go to swingers clubs, like you don't have to participate in anything. You can you can meet some people and connect with some people. Yeah, no um, pressure. Yeah. If you want, consider like what you want mm-hmm. and know that it's a, it's an uphill battle. Like it's a bit of an uphill thing. Some people just take it, take to it like a duck to water and other people it's, it's a bit of a struggle mm-hmm. and know that it's okay. Feelings and emotions are all right. Mm-hmm. They're just um, an invitation for you to explore where it's coming from mm-hmm. and to heal whatever that is inside you. Like where is that insecurity coming from? Yeah. And your partner's there to give you a little bit of comfort and security in whatever it is that you're going through. And it's a process that you do together. And, uh, yeah. And for me, because, um, sexual freedom and liberation and, uh, just personal autonomy for me to do whatever it is that I want, that's something that I'm willing to go through because that is what's important to me. Mm -hmm. It's not important to everyone and that's totally fine, but that's my why behind what I want to do. I want to do whatever it is I want to do whenever I want to do it. <laughs> Sarah's giggling about and this. And fuck you, and fuck you, and fuck you. And, and you. And, that's, and I'll fuck you, and I won't fuck you. I will not fuck you. My <laughs> six-year-old says that to me a lot. Wait, not those things. He says, I want to do what I want. When I want to do it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, fucking tough shit, pal. Yeah, I've, I've you know, spent a whole lifetime of doing what other people want me to do, and I've no, I'm All just done. kidding. I've I've never done that. I've, <laughs> I've always been like, Casey's on her own. She does her own thing. And that's just how I want to live. And I don't want to hurt people in the process. So those people that are with me in relationships need to um, accept that. And if it's not for them, it's not for them. Yeah. And I'm not going to take that personally. Yeah. Yeah. So to recap, if you want to open up your relationship, talk about it. Uh, establish some rules. If you want to do a threesome and that's a a priority for you, I do recommend seeing a sex worker first because I think that that's um, a little bit easier than trying to find a single unicorn because it's pretty tricky. Possible. Reach out to people that you know are open. They're usually pretty willing to talk about it. If if Mm -hmm. everyone knows that they're open, they're probably open to talking about it. right? Right. Right. And giving you some tips and hints. And who knows, maybe there'll be a connection with you guys. You never know. I like the idea about going to clubs with a no agenda. Yeah. Yeah. 
or even like set rules ahead of time. Like, listen, we're going to go. We're going to just be there and just suss it out. You know, like if, if you need that to feel comfortable, like, you know, you both want to see other people or fuck other people. Do the hard work involved, or maybe it's not so hard. Who knows? It could be a, a walk in the park to get your heads around seeing other people. And I really do recommend seeing other couples because it's so much easier. And I think that if you take that approach, there's just going to be more opportunities for you. Yeah. And also I would imagine if you're hooking up with other couples who have hooked up with other couples, they can help guide you through it a bit too, right? Absolutely. Like it's a really, um, it's a really great community. And of course there's some people that are just, um, difficult, but that's in any community. But for Mm -hmm. the most part, um, it's a wonderful group of humans. We're like having great sex. So they're probably feeling pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Doing what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And also, Either way, I just want to hang out with them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know what? You can do that too. Mm-hmm. If you just want to go and be in a really sexual environment, go to a sex club. You don't have to fuck anybody else. You can dance in the dance floor. You can just kind of peek and watch. Yeah. Um, and Flirt. It, and flirt with other people. What um, a fun way to like boost your sexuality. Yeah. I love that idea. I want to go to a sex club. Let's go. I'll go with Let's you. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> ah, see you in a couple <laughs> weeks, guys. One thing that I wanted to mention too is that if you're struggling in your relationship, opening up your relationship is not the answer. Right. It is for relationships that are pretty solid. And it's kind of like, for whatever reason, some people think, you know, um, this is going on in my relationship and I need to do something. And it's like, no, you need to really fix the relationship as it is before you move forward. So, like, you'd want to get your own sex life rock solid before you open it up to other people. Yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to make sure that the foundation of your relationship and your sexual relationship is solid before you start building on it or the whole thing's going to collapse. And I've seen that time and time again. And then the open relationship is blamed for the demise or fall of the relationship when in reality it was broken to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. was just the straw that broke the camel's back. So make sure that you are uh, solid in, in your, your connection with your partner and what it is you want. And yeah, you're really secure in that relationship before you go and invite other people into it. Right. So after a traumatic experience, like a sexual assault or traumatic birth, it can be hard for people to feel safe or even physically comfortable during sex. How can we help them and help their partners to feel safe and uh, have fun with sex? Have fun with sex. Trauma is a big, big topic. And... If there is some deep rooted stuff, I will refer out. I will refer out. And sometimes you need to go back in time to kind of re uh, reorganize the thought process for it. Um, my personal outlook on on just any any issues that you have, and I know that trauma is bigger than any issue that we have, is um, tuning into the present and moving towards the future. 
as opposed to focusing on the past is mm -hmm. really beneficial, I think. And that's easier said than done a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, trauma does get stored in the body. It gets stored in the tissues. In terms of birth trauma, um, episiotomies, tears, cesarean births, um, having you say no to something that a doctor is doing and them doing it anyways mm -hmm. is a massive violation. Yeah. I've yeah. seen it. I was a birth doula for over a decade and I've seen that happen and ripped me to shreds and that wasn't even my body. Right. And so seeing somebody that specializes in trauma is important. And also, um, hanging out with people or seeing people that are um, experienced in doing that reframe stuff of your brain and uh, the reframe stuff in your body. So um, experienced body workers that are trauma, trauma sensitive and trauma informed for pelvic floor care after um, birth or if there's a cesarean birth as well. Um, massage therapists are often trained in scar tissue treatment and stuff. If it's bigger than what um, all the things that I can do, um, I'll send them to someone for hypnosis okay, or emotional freedom technique, which is a, a method of tapping into different meridian lines that like it basically taps the trauma out of your body. Mm. And it's the coolest thing. And I think that it's really effective. It's really effective in people that have PTSD or that have severe experiences. Also, there's this really interesting... Uh, method called neuro-linguistic programming. Um, master NLP practitioners can kind of walk you through the steps you can take to deal with the trauma. And it's it's focused on the present and moving towards the future as well, which is what I really love about it. Because I feel like when we when we go back in time, we re-experience the trauma. Absolutely, yeah. And there's that massive chemical cascade that happens because we are actually reliving it and the process is happening through our body again. So if we can eliminate that aspect of it and then get the tools to uh, cope and deal and heal going forward. Mm -hmm. That, mm -hmm. that seems to be what my frame of mind is right now. There's also some really great somatic sexological body workers that are around that can help um, do touch therapy in your body to help get uh, some of that, uh, some of those experiences out of your body. Somatic experiencing is also really great too. Um, what's, what's that mean, somatic? Somatic experiencing is um, allows you to experience feelings in your body in relation to experiences in your mind. Okay. Yeah. So, so would that be like re-experiencing a physical thing that may have happened during a trauma, but during a positive, a safe situation yeah. so that then you don't aren't like quote unquote triggered by that physical sensation to bring you to that same mental place. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And there's uh, various psychotherapists and various people trained in uh, somatic experience too. It's, it's a really neat modality. So it's really, it sounds like it's really important to um, deal with, your deal trauma. with the trauma, like yeah. not just, forge ahead with the sex but actually like address the trauma yeah. that's causing issues in your sexual relationships yeah don't just throw a blanket over it and hope it goes away because it's still it gonna be won't. there no and then it'll just like creep out from under the covers and go rawr yeah. when you least expect it and yeah. guess what no orgasm and yeah. when that happens and, no or and guess what priorities no priorities here guys that being said i think yeah. that you still need to be moving forward right i don't think it needs to come to a screeching halt 
but you need to figure out where the boundaries are and right. and play within the boundaries until the boundaries get a little bit bigger and a little mm-hmm. bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Right. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. Yeah. The only way through is through. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a poster. Actually, after my second birth, I had some vaginal pain during sex and we kept trying and it was like, you know, eight weeks after the birth or whatever. And my midwife actually said, she basically said, you know what, have sex anyway. And I'm not saying this is a solution always, but in my case, I had to just have sex and realize that like that sensation would actually dissipate. dissipate. Exactly. Um, I think a big part of it was that I was feeling tense going into it because I thought it was going to hurt and then it hurt a little bit. And so I didn't relax. Yeah. And I'm just saying this sort of to your point of sometimes you do need to forge ahead rather than just stopping because that was my gut instinct was like, no, you're not putting it fucking in there. No. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a little bit like rehab. It's know your boundaries Mm -hmm. and you can flirt with them a little bit, but don't just like blow right past them sex shouldn't hurt if sex hurts find somebody that's pelvic floor therapist or a manual therapist that can help with that mm-hmm. for sure um and then get an assessment of is it is it emotional or is right. it physical or is it a little bit of both mm-hmm. um so yeah deal with the trauma and also still kind of play in the safe enough area mm-hmm um, one of my favorite terms in uh, somatic sexological bodywork and somatic sex education is safe enough. Mm-hmm. Like push the boundaries a little. Yeah. And every time you push them, you can probably push a little further. Yeah. But but maybe also don't panic if you've pushed your boundaries a bit. Then it means you need to step back for a little while. And that's right? cool too. Shifting your thoughts and having that impact your feelings too. We've got this cyclical relationship with our thoughts. When we think about something, it triggers feelings in our body, whether it's emotions or actual feelings in our body. And then that tends to go back to the thoughts and then it's just this vicious cycle. So coming back to reframing the thoughts so that we get a different feeling so that we come back when we think about sex Mm -hmm. as a whole or like particular things um, creating that reframe, and that's really great for the neurolinguistic programming, the hypnosis, and the uh, emotional freedom technique, as well as the somatic experiencing. Those those things can really help with reorganizing the thoughts, feelings, pattern mm-hmm. thing. Okay. And finding your voice is essential. Finding your voice and prioritizing your boundaries, prioritizing your voice, and that's where you're going to find that power and um, stay true to your power. Yeah. I was thinking back also to your recommendation to sort of come up with a sexual mantra, 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 Mm -hmm. potato, potato. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Potato, tomato. (laughs) You know, and I think something like that. Sorry? Clitoris, clitoris. Oh, good one. Vagina, vagina. Ball sack, ball sack. (laughs) (laughs) Perineum, perineum. Oh. oh, I got all the genital terms, guys. <laughs> anus, anus. Oh, my God. You guys could do that, that drinking one? game. Oh, yeah. There's a game I used to play <laughs> when I was playing drinking games, part of it, where you would say all the slang, well, every term, including all the slang for genitalia that you can think of. I'd be there for days. Favorite. Oh, my God. We should do it later. Okay. Maybe at the end. We'll just cap it off with some 
What was I going to say? Oh, right. But uh, coming up with a, a mantra for yourself, like maybe it's I am safe with my partner, you know, mm-hmm. like or safe. that's a good one. Or it it's OK to feel this way or whatever, you know, like right. or like it's so OK to feel this shut way. Off. Mm-hmm. It's OK to feel this way. But my partner is here to support me in this, it. you know, mm-hmm. Mel, Mel, what a guy. Sometimes just feeling validated and having someone hear you and um, that's enough for you to feel okay. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think is really important with sexual trauma is reconnecting to your own body first. Mm -hmm. And that when you can touch your own body, because you can control everything, you can control the whole thing. And tapping into that is essential to healing. Because we can heal ourselves in there. I believe that that's true. So I was wondering if you have any recommendations for like your favorite sex toy. That's a really good one. It's super personal. Yeah, obviously. You know what I mean? Like everyone likes a different thing. I actually have a brand new vibrator sitting on my porch. Ooh. I can't. From Amazon? From from another website. Okay. And I'm so excited for it. It's a WeVibe Wish. What? And it's like a little egg-shaped thing. It's a clitoral vibrator. Okay. Um, and there's lots of different settings you can put it on. WeVibe as a company is an really incredible good. company. It's all like silicone as well. Yeah, right? it's all silicone. Like made. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a company from Ottawa as well too. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh shit, girl. Which is really cool. I love all their stuff, but I'm really excited about this vibrator. And I also like glass dildos. Really? Oh. Eh? You're not the first person I've heard say that, and I just don't even get it. Walk me through it. Well, they're so cold, and like yeah. all the blood what? just rushes right to your pussy. It feels oh, because it's cold. Yeah, Fuck. it's gotta warm it up, girl. I never thought of that. Huh. Yeah, I hate cold, so I'm like, ugh. Or you could be like, mm, I love cold, and just tell yourself that, and then right. you'll just start to love cold. Or you could put you it in warm, warm it water. up in water. Yeah. Or you can warm it up in water. Or you can like suck on it a little bit. Yeah, uh, my keys. It's glass. Oh. But maybe glass isn't the dildo for you. (laughs) I hope that you can suck on things without using your teeth, Sarah. (laughs) Wow, that really explains a lot. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. No, baby, I love you so much. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just afraid of glass in my mouth. Uh, Or you might like it. Or maybe I really like it. Or maybe I'll really like it. Or maybe I'll really like it. Fuck, then what, Sarah? Then what? Then I have to. Get a glass Get dildo. Get a glass dildo. Yeah. Learn yeah. how to blow glass. And I'm also a really big fan of medium-sized silicone butt plugs. There's one made by Mood. I really like the large size. It's actually quite small, even though it says large. Um, and it stays in really plugs. well. They're not, like, large is quite small. Which is great. Is it a, does it have a space for a vibrator? Um, no, this one does not. This is just a really basic black one and the thing with butt plugs is that it needs to the space between where it has the flange the yeah the part that keeps it on the outside and the the part that goes in your butt it has to be like a centimeter and a half to two centimeters long 
So it can get between your sphincters and actually hold it in there. Because anything that's shorter than that, it's just going to like oh. come out. And that's not nearly as fun as having a butt plug that can, stays in. Can we do a little safe, public safety service announcement here about butt plugs, please? Casey, you go ahead. Yeah, don't put things in your butt that aren't going to, that can get lodged in your butt. So you want something nice and broad that keeps it from going all the way up your like butthole. It needs a, a base. A base. A so solid that it base. Go in your butthole and get lost inside your fucking insides i love that there's real. a baby crying while we're talking about butt plugs. <laughs> listen butt plugs baby <laughs> um can you talk to me about butt plugs a bit love let's talk plugs. about butt plugs oh my god i love butt plugs so um are you using it with anal sex or not like do you like use it to sort of open things up a little bit and well, relax yeah, things? it can yeah for sure I, I like the idea of having a butt plug in while having vaginal sex mm. because then you're all full up which mm-hmm. is real nice Mm-hmm. Right. But then, yes, then your body is used to that sensation, so you'd be more relaxed. So then right. with lube, use lube, use lube. Then when you have then attempt or decide to have anal sex, your sphincters won't be like, no, and yeah, cram right. shut because they'll have already be kind of used to the sensation. Right. I have a just the tip for anal sex for mm-hmm. kind of beginners or people who just want to dip their toes in or are just coming back to it. Dip the right. tip in. Dip, just dip in the tip. Just don't um, put it in your vagina after. Don't go from your butt to your vagina. Right. Ever. Ever. But lube, number one, great. Yeah. And yeah. Casey yeah. actually is going to talk a bit about lube afterwards because there's different like kinds of lube and some are better, especially mm-hmm. for butts. You want a nice, thick, viscous lube. Mm-hmm. But um, to be on top, mm-hmm. I, I don't actually <laughs> often... I, Stop it, your baby. We're out talking about anal sex. God. I love anal sex. Yeah, I loved it. I fucking initially. love it. And, then it and I always have an orgasm and I love it, love it, love it. I don't usually, not a, most of the time, I don't love anal sex where I'm not on top. Mm-hmm. I like to be in control of it because it is a bit more touchy and mm-hmm. finicky. If I'm really relaxed and feeling really safe and secure, then other positions where the man is more in control of depth and speed and whatever is okay. Mm -hmm. But I prefer, and I've spoken with a lot of women who are nervous about it or just trying it out, that once they try being on top so that they can control all that, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, is that ever great? I had no idea. It's like, yeah, man, so Mm -hmm. good. Top on top. Top on top. Top on top. Top on top. Here's the thing with anal play is that there are a variety of sensations that can happen based on how you do things. So with anal sex, some people really like the feeling of stretching the muscles. Mm-hmm. That can feel really good for some people. Some people really like the in and out feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a different experience than just having the, the tissue stretched. And then other people just like the outside kind of stimulated. Right. And then some people like it all. Um, with butt plugs, that's a really great way to feel that stretch and to get those um, receptors stimulated without feeling the in and out because some people right. find that really disconcerting. And then that that's going to, well, A, it feels kind of like you're going to shit the bed if you're not used to it. And once you can kind of get past that point, like everything's good. Um, but it's a really weird feeling for beginners to have something in, going in and out of their butt. Is that what anal beads are for, the in and out feeling? What's uh, happening there? Anal beads usually go in and then you kind of pull them out during orgasm. That's usually oh. what you do with that. 
but the, you know, you can have vibrating ones of those too. So with butt plugs, it's a really nice way to kind of shove something in your ass. It's just going to stay there. You don't have to worry about it. It doesn't get messy. You don't have right. to worry about um, cross-contamination between your ass and your vagina. Right. Uh, if you're having sex with someone with a penis, it feels nice. They can feel oh, the butt plug. Extra pressure. Yeah. Oh. It's really great. Especially if you have a vibrating butt plug, then they Whoa. can feel the vibration and the pressure. And the idea that you have something in your butt is pretty exciting for right. a lot of people. right, right. Yeah, it's also great for guys. You can put butt plugs in uh, guys, and then they can yeah. fuck the shit out of you. It's great. Yeah. Um, oh. And then they get that anal stimulation, um, which feels really great, but then they can still fuck at the same time. Christmas gift cool. idea. Ow, ow. Butt plugs for everyone. Um, great stopping stuff. You know, if my sister-in-law is listening. <laughs> that would be so fantastic. I would be so happy about that. So that's kind of what, and then butt plugs can also be used as dilators, too, just to stretch you a little okay. bit more, too. So, nice. To prepare for penetration by penis. Yeah, or, you know. Whatever or whatever. Or whatever. There. Right. You know, fingers, hands, feet. Or floats your boat. Not aerosol hairspray. Don't put your foot in my butt. Or if you do, cut your nails first. Yeah. <laughs> Mine either. I don't want to put it in my butt. <laughs> but, you know, whatever floats your boat. I'm not judging. Yeah. Cool. And do you have a lube recommendation? I really love the slippery stuff. It's a water-based lubricant, so you can use it with silicone toys as well. Because you can use silicone lube with silicone toys. Um, And it just tends to stay super sticky for a while. And that's the name of it, the slippery stuff. The slippery stuff. Okay. So I'm showing these ladies tattoos of mine and I have a tattoo. Uh, it's a Mandarin tattoo that says little sister. And I had that tattoo for 10 years before I was at this swingers camping trip. It was a blast. And a woman came up to me and was like, do you know what that says? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. It says little sister. She's like, yes, but do you know what that means? And I was like, humor me. She's like, Chinese people call their genitals their little brother and little sister. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said, so you mean to tell me I've got pussy written on my on my rib cage? She's yes. like, yeah. I'm like, woo! Yes. yes. That's the best. Even Fantastic. better. Fantastic. Our next episode is about tattoos. Yeah. We're going to see a stick and poke guy and a gun guy. And we're going to get poke, tattoos. Poke, poke, poke. And you get to hear us. Squeam. Wow. Squirm. Squirm. Squeam is not a word. Squeam. What do you mean? Oh, squeamish. Yeah. I'm like, squeam's totally a word. Squeam as a verb. I'm so excited to get poked. Anyway. That's what she said. We're going to shift gears just for a second because on the last episode, we were chatting with our guest about what he's been listening to and it was really fun. So we're wondering, have you been listening to anything really great lately? I am a big fan of audiobooks. Huge, huge fan. I drive a lot, so that's kind of what's in my car. Yeah. And I love Esther Perel. I love so. her podcast. <gasps> oh Do you my listen? Oh, God. I don't listen to her podcast, but I've read all her books. <gasps> oh, you should listen. I know. So, like, she's – I loved her so great. Mating in Captivity book. Um, I've seen her TED Talks and all that stuff, but, yeah, I'll have to listen to her podcast. I'll have to read her books. Oh God! I love when she talks about infidelity because it's a it's a topic that's so taboo that nobody ever talks mm-hmm. about, and the people that 
have gone through relationships where there is infidelity and there is cheating, it's very hush hush and and they mm-hmm. don't want to talk about it because there's so much shame and stigma around it. Um, and they don't want rumors being spread, but it's a, it's a real thing. And it's a, I love that she's kind of bringing it out into the open and talking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sarah? What are you listening to these days? Dan Reader. I've been listening to Dan Reader. A lot of Dan Reader. He's fucking great. What's Everyone, your favorite song? <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite songs is called, I think it's called Born a Worm. Born a Worm spins a cocoon goes to sleep wakes up a butterfly oh what the fuck is that about what the fuck is that about born a worm spins a cocoon goes to sleep but I love all his songs. That one's kind of my favorite because it's like a family favorite. We all sing it around the dinner table a lot, which is funny if you listen to it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been listening to. And 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 a lot of Sean Paul for the kids. What have you been listening to, Mel? Uh, what have I been listening to? Okay, so on our Instagram, I plugged a podcast that I've been listening to called Fatal Voyage about the mysterious death of Natalie Wood. And she's like an old Hollywood actress and she was married to this man Robert Wagner yes Rob Wagner and anyway I don't want to give too much away but you should listen it's really great if you're into spooky mysteries I hate the host though I hate his stupid voice and how he talks like it's a BBC fucking special he's like Sarah just hates people with English accents (laughs) how do you really feel Sarah I just hated guts Okay, but then the other one I just started listening to like yesterday that our friend of the podcast, Justine Cruz Campo, would really enjoy is Two Girls, One Ghost. And it's two girls talking ghost stories. And then they read listener stories that people have sent in. It's really great. And I really like them. It reminds me of my favorite murder in that they're really just likable as people and they're like best buds and fun to listen to. So I'd recommend that one. As well. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I have a really great podcast recommendation. Oh, yeah? yeah. What's that? This summer I listened. I'm, I'm a huge Aubrey Marcus fan. Like, okay. I love that man so much. I don't know that man. He actually has a really great podcast. You should okay. listen to it. Uh, it talks about, like, lifestyle, health, and fitness, um, but also just really cool, random stuff. Um, and he and his fiance are polyamorous. They're in an open relationship. I'm not sure if they're poly, but they're in an open relationship. And he was on somebody else's podcast, uh, Ari Schaefer's Skeptic Tank, and it's episode 320, and it's uh, Take My Wife, Please. And it talks about, it's so raw, and talks about his experiences in non-monogamy. Oh my God, it was so good. And I sent it to, um, I sent it to my guy when, because that's when, about the time that we started dating, and he's like, oh, so that really helped him kind of navigate some of his feelings going through this like new relationship with right. uh that's completely foreign to him right but yeah it was really cool cool i'll give yeah. it a listen mm-hmm. casey yes where can we find you on the internet on the internet i have a website called erotic embodiment.ca okay um, i'm also on instagram at erotic.embodiment mm-hmm. um my other uh my other instagram um uh, world is at casey.easton that's got more uh more of my manual therapy education on just how bodies work and function and right. some like you know motivational quotes and i write things sometimes 
Um, and my erotic embodiment's really more focused on the sexuality aspect of things because I don't want to cross-contaminate. And I really feel really confused about why I'm doing that. I think it's because professional capacity as a massage therapist. Yeah. I mean, some, some people aren't comfortable, <sighs> unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm just trying to navigate that, but that's where I can be found. So I also do webinars online. I've got another one starting, I think it's beginning of November and then that's women's series one. And then in the winter, probably in January, it'll be the women's series two. Women's series one is really focused on women really tapping into their own personal sexuality. And and then the women's series two, which has to be taken after women's series one, is all about how to cultivate more sexuality in your relationships. Because I wholeheartedly believe that it has to start with you right. before it, you move into a relationship with another person. Right. What sort of time commitment is the webinar? It's two hours uh, a week, and it's okay. in the evening, usually from 8 till 10. Okay. There's three of them. There's three weeks in a row. And yeah, it's gone really well. So I'm nice. I'm quite happy with it. Um, cool. And everyone that has taken it has given me some really awesome feedback. Nice. Yeah. Well, I might see you there. That would be wonderful. I'd love to have you. <laughs> Eroticembodiment.ca. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, where can we find you? littlewrightcrew.art on Instagram and the Facebook. Uh, that's it. Cool. Cool. Cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool. I'm at melodystarkweather.ca. You're so fucking cool. It's like <laughs> yourname.ca. I want to say thank you so much to Casey Easton for coming on our show. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's thank been you. such a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk about blowjobs and butt plugs and trauma and polyamory and just general sluttiness, you know. Hey, so listen, Casey wants to come back and talk about kink. So we're going to have her on like, what, in a couple months? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah? Yeah. Talk about kink, BDSM, fetishes, all that stuff. Masturbation. Oh, and masturbation. How to like really have fun with a really great mindful erotic masturbation practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So send us questions because I know you're going to have some after listening to this. Yeah. So yeah, thanks again to Casey for coming and thanks so much for listening. Means a lot. Check out Casey's um, website. We'll post a, a link. Sure will. Sure will. Sure will. And remember, it's, it's a, a jungle, jungle out, out there. there. Rawr. Rawr. <laughs> All right. We did it. Ooh, sexy Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> <laughs>